It's been a while. We haven't uh, recorded a podcast for a couple of months, I think. Three months. Three months. More than three months. I I even felt a bit rusty setting up the our little home studio. So it's yeah, it's definitely a while ago. And why why that is? Um, I mean, I can talk from my own experience, but uh, why why is it for for you? For me, uh, actually, let's comment first where we are. We are in uh, we are, it's the end of June, and we're in Stockholm. And and you know, for you, that's quite normal. But for me, it's always quite a special place uh, because the sun doesn't well hardly goes under. It's not really getting dark, and it's warm and. Uh, it's uh, it's very nice to be in the north of Europe uh, in uh, around midsummer. Anyway, so why why did we not record? I think for me there has been sort of you know life took over if you like, uh, but it has been very specific uh, issues around uh, health actually my own health and also my mother's health, and um, with regard to the latter, I've had I've spent. It's, it, huge amount of time compared to normal in Holland to be with my mother uh, over the last three months and just, just about added on to everything else that's happening because I didn't really take a break from anything else. Um, so everything continued and this was added on and so it, I was just extremely busy and my own health hasn't been great. It's much better now and so is my mother's by the way. So um, it's all on the way up. But it's been a hard, it's been a very difficult three months basically for for me personally. And then there's something happening in the world that um, that I think maybe is sort of influencing us as well. You know, there's quite a lot of busyness and craziness and chaos and and yeah in the in the world that uh, that probably uh, impacts us a little bit too. And so, and I, you know, what we were talking earlier, it's like, why, why have we done this? It's like, it's also when you start to feel rusty, as in you say you were rusty setting it up, but it's also this, it's a bit of a rustiness to, to do this again, to actually, because once we get into it, we love doing the podcast, but it's like, oh, I can't feel, I don't, we've, we've been a few times, I don't really feel like it, but then when we do it, it's really great. Mm. And you? Yeah. Yeah, what would I put it down to? Um, you said life took over. I think when you when you become, or at least that's how I work, I, I become a bit obsessed with whatever whatever I'm busy with. And for the last couple of months, I've been very busy with interior design, houses. Uh, yeah, houses, as in plural, houses. So I think my mind has been completely engrossed and and it's not that I necessarily like all of that it sounds like oh that's nice interior design sounds like I mean people work with that because they enjoy it I've done it more to support my my partner and uh, there's a deadline and uh, there are quite a few decisions and and uh, some limitations and many possibilities but I think I've been so so into this that the only thing I managed is my my work and client work has been busy in a good way, not different, but you know, in a good way. It's a busy time, June normally, um, and May also actually, and um, and then with this as sort of everything that I managed. Um, 
But I do find when you say, you know, when you get into something that you actually enjoy doing, you enjoy it because you're present with it. It's mm-hmm. just that I have not had the time or patience to set aside that time to prioritize that or these activities that I actually enjoy doing. And and the main part is the creative side. So anything that's got to do with creation, I put aside. Mm. Uh, but I have managed to keep other routines. So take exercise, for example, mm. that still stays with me. It's such a fundamental routine. Mm. But being more spontaneous, creative, um, anything that's got to do with art, reading, writing, has stood back in the last, I would mm. say, three months. Mm. Um, and interesting. I, I think it's quite interesting that your focus has been on, you know, on quite dense subject, right? Bricks and mortar. It can't get much more dense than that. And and personal health, or even the health of a family member, is pretty. Um, dense too right so we have both been focused in in um yeah in in sort of basic fundamental type uh issues really uh connecting it to maslow yeah yeah maslow is level one really yeah right level one uh, you're talking about bricks and mortar i'm talking about personal health or family Mm. health it's level one and two maybe and that might be i mean if you if you listen to this podcast often, then that might—I mean, I—I I was just struck by the idea that people might find it actually quite a surprise that you're interested in bricks and mortar, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's not how you sound like when you are listening to this podcast often. Yeah, yeah, and we went through as we were warming up for this. You know, it's early morning. We're going to run a full day leadership program today, and and. We decided, no, this is the right time. And we usually prefer talking in the morning. We have more to say, I think, with a fresh mind. But we went through a list of topics. And I think one of the topics we have that we could talk about sometime is consciousness. And mm. that feels very far away right now to talk about. Yeah. Uh, which is very interesting. And I think, I mean, you already know that the the uh, what, what the heading is for this, for this uh, episode. And it's interesting to see how something quite, basic can also feel a bit heavy so mm. there's a heaviness there is a there is something mm, what did you say when you described the, the feeling in the world you used the word anxiety but there's something about heavy and um, it doesn't have to be chaotic though i don't think but the basic needs when they are moving it's 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 as if you don't have the opening to look at bigger things like consciousness mm, it's exactly. just not there it's yeah. it's not an option in the in the in the uh, words of barrett you drop into lower levels of consciousness right mm. and you you have no you have no it's the, the higher level stuff is just not on your radar mm. when the planes hit the towers uh, people weren't thinking about big picture stuff they were thinking about the safety of their family Right, and it's similar when the pandemic hit, and it's similar when the war in Ukraine started. And so, you know, there is something that brings us down to very fundamental levels of consciousness. When either in our personal lives, or in the collective, or in both, shit happens. So, very, very briefly. So, Barrett is is the uh, tool. It's Richard Barrett. Is is the guy behind it? But the tool that we would use when we coach and work with values with individuals and and groups 
and it's seven levels we talk about. And I think we mentioned this in a previous podcast, but seven levels of consciousness Mm. Uh, where the three first levels are very similar to Maslow. Uh, so it's all about the basic needs, roof over your head, uh, your relationships, and um, uh, your self-esteem, basically. That's the three three levels that are the basics. And mm. I think that's what we wanted to stay today a little bit. Yeah. And then the top levels are all about becoming, you know, authentic in your own rights and collaborating with others to be able to serve the world. So that's a very, very short description without going into details. Yeah, yeah and so the two episodes that refer to this specifically are the modern personal values, which is ages ago. It's one of the first episodes we did. And I think last year or so, I think we did one on culture, which is more organizational values. And both we, we will have mentioned um, the Barrett model because we use it so much. But when it comes to to the to, to the lower levels, let's just stay with that terminology. Um, and we decided to call this fears. Mm. It's quite interesting to to look at fears as limiting beliefs that holds us back. Mm. So fears as something we can choose to address or not. We can we can choose to avoid fear or we can choose to face fear and everything in between, I suppose. So so way that I look at fear is sometimes feeling slightly uncomfortable. Mm. You would perhaps not use the word fear for that, but actually it is. So if you take hunger, just take that. It's, you're not afraid, I don't think. When you feel hungry, you're not afraid. But actually that uncomfortable feeling of being hungry, mm. if you're super hungry and food is nowhere close, it is a fear. It's a fear of not eating in the future, right? So yeah. the difference is that the uncomfortable feeling of of uh, not having eaten for a while is here in the present moment and fear is in the future, I think. Mm. One, I think, interesting aspect is the distinction between rational and irrational fears. So rational fears, you know, if you if you um, cross the street and the car is coming at you with fast speed and you looked the wrong way because you were in the wrong part of the world and you forgot from which way the car is coming, you jump out of the way because you get very scared of that car, it's probably a good idea, right? So I would say that's a, an example of a rational fear. Irrational fear is something that holds us back and we don't quite know why. I mean, we can obviously talk about why that might be, but, but we might at that moment not quite know why we're afraid of something. And um, there's no real rational reason why we would be afraid. So there's something happening in our in our mind, in our psychology, in our emotions that that makes us afraid of something in the future. So anxiety around. Um, I'll give you an example. I I woke up. I think I've been waking up a few times in the middle of the night with fear, and I'm I I generally don't feel that much fear uh, anymore. I should say I felt a lot more fear in the past. I woke up a few times with fear. Fear of uh, fear of dying poor, right? And you wake up with that, and then and then I start journaling, <laughs> and I write down a few things, and I laugh because it's just not it's not really that rational. There's something happening in my psychology that makes me feel this irrational fear, and I can get rid of it quite quickly by writing about you know all the things that can counteract this 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 irrational fear and then i get rid of it 
and um, and I identify it as an irrational fear. I think there is a lot of irrational fear, right? Rational and irrational fear in the world. So there is um, there's a lot happening in the world right now that people feel afraid and they feel anxiety of for. And some of it is, I mean, understandable, but not necessarily rational. So I like to approach it from a slightly different angle, and it's about the nervous system. So even if there is a rational reason for a fear, so basically you could argue that there is a rational reason for your fear. It's just that it's not relevant to you, but it's relevant as a fear. Not having enough is relevant, but mm. not for you. It's not going to happen to you. And if I take that to uh, my fear of heights, so um, vertigo, um, and how I can, how I can work with that so when i was away skiing in february uh, and we climb mountains and ski down my fear is not skiing down my fear is climbing up and looking down so it's not the skiing part but it's the fact that we're moving upwards and at one point i froze so you know that's a response a fear response when you freeze you 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 can't move basically. So I was standing there. I was, I had frozen. <laughs> I wasn't cold. I had frozen in my, in my movement and the tears were just pouring down. And I could still look at myself and say, I know this is a fear response. I know I will be fine, but response was still there. Yeah. And you know, the more you do that, the more you get used to it. So you actually decrease the fear for that specific mm. Would you call that a rational or an irrational fear? So I think it's a combination because there is no, there is a rational reason for being afraid for heights because it's got to do with, at some point, if it's got to get too much, it's good to be afraid of heights. It's like it's good to be afraid mm. of deep water. Mm. But in my circumstances, not really. Because it wasn't that much. I'm overdoing fear, you could say. Yeah. Because there was never a risk. Even if I had fallen, there was soft snow and I would be absolutely fine. Mm. So can I you, just need to practice. Can you be risk averse or, or mindful of risk without having the fear attached to it? I think you can. Um, I think you can. Because it's, I think it could be a learned behavior. If you take a psychopath, and I don't know enough about this, but the way I understand it is that they don't actually feel the emotions, mm. but they can learn the behaviors and the objectives are, you know, whatever they mm. they are, they, they're probably questionable, but they can learn the behaviors to be successful in what they want to achieve. And I think it's the same with risk. Mm. So if you know that risk might hold, hold back, uh, th that knowing about risk might help you being successful in whatever it is that you mm. want to achieve. You don't have to feel the fear. No, and I'm, I'm thinking of your example of fear of heights, which I also have, by the way, a lot less than I used to, but still a bit. Every year, every month, every day, millions of people go into the mountains without falling off it, right? And and only, I don't know how, how much, but you know, maybe 10% or so, 5% have fear of heights. So they're all, they're all risk mindful, right? Mindful risk. Don't don't fall off without being afraid of falling off. So some of that fear, or most of that fear is probably psychological and possibly irrational, I would say. It's the same with the fear of, you know, the fear I described or the fear of getting sick or, you know, yes, you, you, you be careful that you don't get into accidents and that you, you know, do live healthy, for example, so that you minimize the risk of getting unhealthy and 
and sick, but you don't have to be afraid of it. I think that's how I look at it. When uh, when fear starts holding us back, and you could argue that that happens more and more the older you get, and I guess partly because we become more aware of the limited time we have. Mm. But when we allow fears to hold us back, we also becoming, is the word complacent or perhaps even static or we stop developing, we stop learning. Mm. But there's something about facing fears to a level that we can mm. to continue developing and not, not stop. Mm. So if we talk about personal development and learning new things or continue growing as we get older it's certainly possible but maybe it just takes a little bit more out of us because the fears are more present mm. do you, what do you think yeah i feel personally i have less fear growing up growing older a lot less fear than i used to have i mean i i used to have young kids and as a parent of young kids you you sort of always a little bit there's always a tiny low level anxiety when they're not with you and now I mean, they're adults. I feel a lot less fear about them. So that's one. But it's. I think it, there's something here that's bigger, which is that you know how Barrett describes the three fundamental fears at level one. It's the fear of not having enough money, or you know, uh, bricks and mortar, or safety, basically safety or health. Right. Mm -hmm. At level one, survival needs. Level two, relationships, so the, the fundamental fear of not being loved enough, not having enough people to love you. And belonging. Belonging, exactly. So the fear of not belonging to a group or a family or a unit. Or, and then level three is this fear of not being good enough. So not performing to your highest level. Uh, and self-esteem. Uh, exactly. So the opposite of what is this opposite of self-esteem. So but being very um, insecure. Uh, insecuring yourself is a level three fear the fear of not being good enough so going through psychological maturing we start to deal with those fundamental fears which are by definition irrational right so they are holding us back because of trauma because of things that happened in our lives and so on and we start to work with those and then the rest of consciousness opens up to us and I feel the last 20 years or 25 years or so have been instrumental in my working to basically deal with those fundamental irrational fears or limiting beliefs. So I don't feel I have those. You know, I'll give you another example. I used to be really afraid of what other people would think of me. And that is really scary. Right. Which is a level two, not belonging, not being loved Yeah, or, or maybe more level three. Yeah, let's combination of level two and level three, probably level three more. So people not thinking you're good enough. Exactly, yeah. Which would not, impact you th thinking you're not yeah, good enough. Yeah, and it's not even the, the, the friends and family. It's not the loved ones. It's more the being on stage. And, you know, we, mm. we've talked about this before, is that I, I, I have my whole life found it quite scary to be on stage, which is mm. ironic because my whole life I've been on stage. But I found it very, very scary. I find it a lot less scary now. I still don't love it, mm. <laughs> like some people. But I, um, I've, uh, I've dealt with that sort of that f because you know the way for me to deal with it is just to to think of it. Really doesn't matter that much. But other people, other people, as in strangers, you know, or may, may six, I? seven hundred people in, a, in, a, in a, an audience. It doesn't really matter that much what they think of me. And that is liberating. 
But maybe, may I suggest that it could have to do with the fact that you're very clear on your purpose now. If you think about what you knew about your purpose 10, 15 years ago versus now, mm. could it be that the method, how do you say this in English, the method, oh, I can't remember, there's a saying, so I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to translate that to uh, from Swedish to English, but the fact that the, the purpose is so important that you, you're happy to face the fear of being on stage. Or is it the other way around? I figured out purpose and authentic self and you know my role in the world and my vision and my identity because I've been dealing with my fears. And probably it's both yeah. ways, right? Yeah. So you, you start to answer some of those big questions in your life mm-hmm. for yourself, like mm-hmm. who am I and what's important to me and why am I here and those type of questions and find alignment in the answers while at the same time also dealing with the fears. You can't do the one without the other, mm. I think. That's why it's the mechanical process of trying to answer those questions without having worked with some of the fundamental fears and limiting beliefs that hold us back is is not going to work. So we mm. need to do both. And it's not a process of a few months. It's a process of a few decades, I think. It's interesting to um, look at resistance. So I just jokingly said, you know, could you live without your notebook for a week? Mm. Because I know how, how married you are to it. And I actually forgot mine in the summer house, so I haven't had it for, for a while, uh, which is slightly annoying. You know, I could always pick up a new notebook and I don't want to do that. I want the old one because yeah, I course. started something. But yeah. anyway, so is is any any time we have resistance to something, is there a fear behind it? So can you stay with it and really look at, you know, where, because usually there is a value at least connected to, yeah, yeah. to, to it. So, yeah. you know, why is it important to journal or to keep notes? And then combine that or look at look at the value that's supporting that behavior. And if I just take another example, I'm not going to go into your example there, but if I take one of my examples, I always feel uncomfortable when, when I'm being refused. So when I get a no, I I think I I relate that back to not not being to level two basically fear of rejection fear of rejection yeah and and it's a very slight i can somatically i can pick it up it's Mm. it's like a butterfly Mm. that's just you know asking me to pay attention Mm. and it's almost like asking me to pay attention to the fear or to pointing at that fear saying "Uh oh you know be aware here because you're about to you know risk falling off yeah uh somehow and be left alone but it's, I, and then I can work with it and yeah. I can look at it rationally. But the irrational reaction, it's there. Yeah, and yeah, I, I know yeah. because I worked with this, I know where it comes from. But such a superhuman skill that you have there, that you can stop and observe what's happening in your body and then work with it and, and, and try to make some sense out of it. And uh, I mean, that, yeah, that, that means you can um, not only learn from the fear that came up, but also. A rewire. Get rid of it. But it doesn't exactly. it doesn't mean that it's completely gone because the physical reaction is still there because it's such mm. a deep mm. human fear, you could say. Yeah. And you could say that about many of these level one, two, and three fears. What I'm interested in is this thing that we if we use the body, if we're present with the body and we pick up the physical signal and try to connect that to to the value or to the possible fear. It's actually quite interesting, and that in itself creates curiosity, and curiosity is one of the cures yeah. Yeah. to to working with fears. Mm. So you become 
curious about your own fear exactly. rather than saying, yeah. I'm not afraid. Yeah. No, no, you say, no, there's something yeah. going on here. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, and this is why I actually secretly quite like my 4 a.m. wake-ups where it's probably the only time that I really am aware of the fear. Um, and I start to work with it and journal about it. So I do need my notebook for that. And, um, you know, I said, so why do I wake up with a fear for poverty, right? So what is it that makes me feel that? And then I start to look at, so is there something that has happened at, in, my, in my life that makes, oh, okay, it could be this and this, right? So there's something happening at, at one or two of our clients where maybe there's something changing or there is a cost of living crisis in the world and I'm picking up on some kind of collective universal fear that's in the world, right? There is, there is poverty in the world and maybe I'm picking up on some of that. And, you know, and I start to sort of look at all these different things that might be the reason why I wake up like this. And from that comes insight, comes learning. And I think significantly after that, that fear is more or less gone and I don't want to feel it, right? I, I'm, I'm interested to work with it, but then I, I'm quite happy when it's gone again. So I don't like So that's afraid. a rational side to look at it from, you know, finding the rational reasons. Another way to look at it is to disconnect the words or the explanations and just look at what's going on. So really explore every every small change in the body yeah, yeah, exactly. as, as you explore the emotion, the sensation of whatever it is that you're feeling. You may not even put fear is a very big word. If you start to become more sophisticated in language, as you describe what's going on and you can use different words to describe what's going on, it will change, it mm. will shift. Yeah. And this is quite difficult to do on your own, I, I find. So this is a good exercise to do with, well, with somebody who's used to inquiry as a method where you inquire into yeah. the yeah. somatic experience in the body. But the fact that it shifts, so you give it space and it will shift. And then you might also add the, the rational explanation to it. Yeah, for me, that's, uh, that's actually very interesting. So I used to do this quite a bit, and it's several years ago, and I haven't done that for a while. It's very interesting to do that inquiry into the body. Uh, it's difficult, though, when you wake up with it and it disappears quite quickly. So maybe that's something that is easier to do when you feel it during the day. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so mm -hmm. I think that's very, it's a good distinction. So there's, there's several ways to work with this in the rational mind as well as in the physical somatic body i think just to come back to why did we pick this topic um why did it why why does it feel relevant i think i think it's um the main point for me is that fear is human so we all we all have fears and we can relate them back to the level one two and three and when we see the fears as limiting beliefs that holds us back from becoming a full version of ourselves and to live our purpose fully, we might become motivated to actually look at the fears differently. First of all, allow, allow them, whatever they are, and look at them so that we can grow from them rather than shy away or hold them back or uh, suppress them in any way. <laughs>